you stand and sing with us this morning? Everybody has trials and temptations. Ooh, ooh. Everybody knows heartbreak and isolation. Good morning and welcome. You um, look wonderful and you sounded wonderful and what a better, can't think of a better way to start than to be reminded of the friend that we have in the Lord Jesus. So we are here today to gather together, lift up our hearts and our voices in song and praise and worship to Him, to read from the Scriptures, to hear God's Word. And I'm so glad that you have taken the opportunity this morning to be a part of our service you're visiting here, if it's your first time, second time, or other times, I want to just let you know we have a, a way for you to communicate with us if you choose to. Um, totally optional. Um, 
called our Connect card. You can just list your name and how you'd like to be contacted, phone or address, email, etc. It's also a great way to um, share prayer requests, ask questions, update information. You can just jot it down on this little card and the, the deacons will pass around the offering plate in a few minutes and you can just place it in there and it'll go to the church office. Just always remember if you do share a prayer request and you would like us to keep that private and not share it over the email, just there's a little box to check there that says to, um, I want this email shared with only, only with staff and we'll honor that. We won't send that out over the email. But I wanted to let you know about that. I have two things to uh, tell you about before we read from 1 John chapter 1. Actually, I have three things. Um, first thing is to let you know that um, coming up June 19th through the 23rd is our summer Bible camp, um, also known as, formerly known as uh, Vacation Bible School. Um, it's from 9 to 11.30. It'll be in the mornings. And if you are interested in helping or teaching, you can see Jeff. Um, he's easiest to find back by the soundboard. Um, and so if you um, would like to be a part of that, you can see Jeff, and we'll have a sign-up sheet out um, next week also. But it's a good opportunity to reach out to our community and invest in the, the next generation of, of younger kids as they grow up in a world that desperately needs the truth of Jesus. One other thing I want to remind or let you know about, because you probably don't know about, um, Ken and Michelle West are traveling um, to Tanzania on a mission trip um, in a little less than a month. And those trips um, aren't free, unfortunately. Um, they have a willingness to go, but we have an opportunity to partner with them in, their, um, in the financial aspect of them going. And so in visiting with Glenna at the end part of last week, um, we decided that we could help out by having a dessert auction um, to not only enjoy some good desserts, but to raise some, some funds to help Ken and Michelle. And we decided to do that on June the 4th, which is two weeks from today. So it gives you two Sundays to think about it, to prepare, to pool your money, to pull out your base, best recipe, and to come with an appetite ready to um, raise some money for Ken and Michelle to help with missions and also to enjoy some desserts. So that's June the 4th. to be here at the church and it'll start at 6 p.m. And then one final word, I just want to remind men, tomorrow morning, 6.30, the Elk Diner. Um, just invite you for that time of, of prayer and fellowship. And just my, my only selling point is the fellowship and the prayer is better than the food, and the food's not bad. So if you're, um, if you're interested and you're available, we'd love to see you 6.30 at Elk Diner. Um, I'd like us to read this morning from 1 John chapter 1, and we'll read the first 10 verses uh, before our gentlemen come and pray and we receive our offering, you'll find some of these words um, similar in, in theme to the first part of the book of John, both written by John, the, the disciple of Jesus. And he says there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness. We lie and 
do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from sin, all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth of is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Gentlemen, will you come? Father in heaven, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Lord, for your word, especially as uh, Rusty has just read to us today. That's the foundation of all our hope, and it's all we need. And I we just pray, Lord, that today, that even as we meet together and hear your word preached, that it would uh, be an encouragement and a strength and even a challenge to us as we wait before you for your blessing. And Father, we pray that wherever the word is preached today throughout the world, it would accomplish all that your purpose intends for it. And we pray for Rusty, Lord, that you would just bless him today, that your blessing would be obviously upon him as he preaches your word. Bless him, bless his family, and Lord, bless this church. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are so excited to bring a new song to our congregation to sing a little bit later, but we're going to sing it over you first, and then later in the worship, that you'll sing it with us.
Would you stand and sing with us this morning? Shining. 
Join with the angels in heaven that are saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And Lord, we just invite you here this morning to join us, with us, be with us today, Lord, as we worship you. Lord, may you be blessed with our worship, and we invite your spirit today in Jesus' name. Amen.
have a Bible, you can find your place over at the beginning of the book of Hebrews. It's right after the, the very small book of Philemon and right before James. If you have, if you're relatively new to the Bible, you can find Revelation at the back and just back up a little bit until you um, arrive. Hebrews chapter 1 is where we'll, we'll begin reading here in just a few minutes. Good, better, best. Do you remember that from school? You know, first one's positive, good. The next is comparative. You know, A is better than B. And finally, you get to the superlative, the best. There's nothing like it. A couple of examples. Salad is good. Salad with ranch is better. Salad with ranch, cheese, and bacon, that's the best. And actually, I would argue that that's probably a ranch, cheese, bacon, salad with a little bit of lettuce tossed in. But let me give you a good one more. A text message is good. A phone call, better. But a face-to-face visit, isn't that the best? Yeah. See, the book of Hebrews, which we're going to start looking at today, God takes the opportunity to show us what is best, or maybe more accurately, who is best. That Jesus is better than anything religion can offer, and a personal relationship with Jesus is what Christianity is all about, and there's nothing better in life. It is the best. And so as we open up and start this wonderful book, where we'll find on every page that God shows us time after time that Jesus is better, and because of that, there's an invitation to us to constantly draw near to Him, to stay close in that relationship with Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to have just a a brief introduction to the book, look at the first few verses, and hopefully we'll see in what we look at today that in the past, God used prophets to show His love to people and reveal truth, but He saved the best for last. His greatest word he revealed in his son, Jesus. In fact, I hope you walk away today with this in your head, that God communicates his love and truth through Jesus, the living word. God communicates his love and truth through Jesus, the living word. So so let's read these first four verses. We'll take a moment to pray, and then we'll, we'll begin with an introduction. So the writer of Hebrews says, verse 1, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom, all the, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You join me as we pray. Father, we are so thankful that we can turn to Your Word, that it is source of wisdom and knowledge, the source of life, that it is useful in all aspects of our life. 
that your word not only speaks truth, but it speaks truth to our hearts that leads to transformation. And that's what we ask for this morning. That you would speak your truth to our hearts, through the pages that we look at, through the words that we see, and by your spirit that enables us to understand. And that we'd apply it to our lives, and that it would be for our benefit and for your glory. I pray this in your name. So I want to start with a brief introduction, and honestly, just to be you know, straight up with you, this is nothing more than you could find in just about any good study Bible commentary online. You just Google Hebrews introduction, you're going to find some things that are very similar to this. First of all, you know, who wrote the book of Hebrews? Now, you can find that there are many books, and there is a lot of opinion spread about who is the author of this book. Why? Because it's such a wonderfully bitten... Bit, wonderful piece of scripture the greek is beautiful the concepts are are amazing and it lifts up and exalts jesus that that people throughout the ages have tried to decide who it's written by honestly we have to conclude simply this no matter what the opinions of man may be only god really knows and if god had seriously wanted us to know i think it would have been there in the beginning So God knows who wrote it. It's inspired, so we can trust that. Who did he write it to? Well, we do know that um, early inscriptions, uh, early versions of the Scripture would would say to the Hebrews. And so we've traditionally thought that it's written to early Christians who likely had a Jewish background and those who were familiar with the Jewish religious system. And you find all through the book of Hebrews, there's quotation after quotation from the Old Testament. There's allusions to the Old Testament. Obvious people, obviously people that would have understood the priesthood and the sacrificial system. It was likely written before about A.D. 70 when the temple is destroyed because there's so many references to that temple motif. And the purpose was to encourage Christians to endure in the faith in the midst of persecution and hardship. To challenge them to not abandon their faith in Christ. To not go back to what they once believed. And the theme is, is simply, and I mentioned it earlier, that Jesus is better than everything else in God's divine plan for creation and redemption. You can look all over creation, you're not going to find anything better than Jesus. As we look through the book in the next few weeks, we'll see that he's superior to angels, prophets, the Old Testament religious system, the sacrificial system, and everything else. And that that personal relationship with Jesus is the best thing that anyone can enjoy. Although we call it a letter, in fact, your Bible probably says letter to the Hebrews and it's put in the the part we call the general epistles. It's not actually a letter. Um, It doesn't say, you know, to and from. We don't know who wrote it. There's not an inscription there. Um, It doesn't have some of the other typical trademarks of a letter, but it doesn't really claim to be a letter. In fact, the writer says in chapter 13 that It's his word of exhortation. If you read through it, it reads like a beautiful sermon. It's it's men. It just calls out to be read aloud. And so when preaching through Hebrews, it's you know, you learn somewhere along the way, don't ever preach other people's sermons. And and so it's a little bit conflicting, you know, when you're reading a sermon written by someone and you're preaching a sermon. But since it's scripture, I think it's okay. But it's a word of encouragement to press on, to Don't give in to the pressure to keep 
your eyes fixed on Jesus, to look to Jesus for all your needs, to, to not settle for anything less, and to move forward toward maturity in Christ. In some ways, it's much like a coach that would be cheering on a runner. You know, the race is long. It's not easy. There's aches and pains that come along the way, and the, and the tendency, if we're not careful, is to give up or slow down. But the coach is cheering you on. Keep running. Focus on the finish because the end is worth it. And the writer of Hebrews tells us to keep running, to finish well, because at the end we'll find that there's something that is worth it because Jesus is better. And so as we look at just the introduction today, these first four verses, it's just one long sentence in, in Greek. It's the beginning of the book. It tells us how God spoke in the past and how God spoke in recent days through His only Son, Jesus. And He saved the best for last. And so really the main clause, the main idea of that first four verses, that first big sentence is that God has spoken His final word by His Son, Jesus. And then after that, there are seven points that support the idea that Jesus is superior to all things. But before we get there, and you'll find the outline in your bulletin, we need to understand that in the past, God spoke through prophets. It's there in the first verse. He says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So before Jesus came, God raised up prophets to deliver his message. They were those that were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They spoke God's word to his people. So in essence, a prophet just simply received a message from God, and then they passed it on to the people. And this, according to Hebrews, and we can find in Scripture, occurred many times. There were many different prophets all throughout history. Each spoke a message that was just a small piece of a big picture. Each one pointing towards something greater, toward a Messiah that was coming. And so they spoke many times and in many ways. You read through the Old Testament prophets and you find out that, man, God really gave those prophets some really strange ways to communicate. Sometimes God revealed things to them in dreams and visions, and then he would call them to, to speak out, to perform object lessons, to reveal his truth in clear, undeniable pictures to his people. And while this picture was being painted bit by bit, the picture was only starting to get a little bit clearer. It wasn't complete. In fact, it wasn't finished until God sent Jesus. Some people call him a musician. Some people call him a songwriter. Some people call him, you know, a theologian. Um, I just put down lyrical theologian, Michael Card. If you've ever read any lyrics from Michael Card, you realize that, that he is musically gifted, he is theologically gifted, and he melds the two together in a beautiful way. And he wrote these words, You and me, we use so many clumsy words. The noise of what we often say is not worth being heard. When the Father's wisdom wanted to communicate His love, 
He spoke it in one final perfect word. So while God used prophets in the past, in the present, God has spoken His final word by His Son, who is Jesus. All of those messages from the Old Testament prophets laid the foundation for the Messiah's coming. They created a sense of longing or anticipation that there was something more in this world. It built hope in dark days. And in these last days, in this present time, the Messiah has come. Jesus, the one who is the Word made flesh, who left heaven and came to live among men. And so in the past, God spoke through prophets, but in these days, God spoke directly through His Son, Jesus. He lived on earth. He walked and talked among men. And when we talk about the revealed Word of Jesus, it's not just the red letters you find in the New Testament, but it's the the complete revelation of His nature and His character that shapes and forms us. And His death and His resurrection inaugurated a new age that puts us in these last days. And the message that He delivers is perfect and it is complete. One commentator said it this way. His name is John Corson. There's nothing more to be said. There's nothing left unsaid. It's all said in Christ. You can think of it this way. God spoke His greatest word through His greatest messenger, His Son, Jesus. Suppose we wanted to learn about personal finance. Maybe I'm thinking about that because we just finished tax season. You know, you you might run to someone like Dave Ramsey or, you know, Susie Orman, if you've ever watched PBS. Um, That usually for me is just a signal to change the channel, but... But for some, you know, you might find benefit in her. I've never even listened. But those would likely be two pretty, pretty good options. Now, now somebody could tell you what they said. In fact, in fact, I have a friend that is that is ready and willing to tell you what Dave Ramsey said um, at any moment, and, that, and that's good. It could be helpful. You could read something written by them, by Dave Ramsey or Susie. Um, that might be a little bit better. But the greatest way for you to learn from them would be for them to appear personally, to gaze into your life, to look at your habits, to open up your checkbook, your bank account. Now, people access Dave Ramsey, you know, you on, on the radio, and you know, you can read his books, and Susie Orman at PBS and has written books. And why do they turn to these folks? Well, it's because they are the best qualified in their field to speak about things regarding finance. Their credentials speak for themselves. And in verses 2 and 3, what we have here is not a financial list of credentials, but we have a list of credentials that show us that Jesus is more than qualified to be God's revealer of love and truth. So he shows us, the readers, this is why Jesus is superior. Not only the prophets, but... He's better than everything else in heaven and on earth. And so there's, in verses 2 and 3, seven wonderful declarations of truth that not only encourage us, but can motivate us toward worship 
And he answers these questions. How is Jesus better? And why is he worthy of our praise? And we'll move through these fairly quickly. Um, you can find more um, in-depth detail if you choose to, and I think it would be of your benefit. But the first thing he says is he's heir of all things. God has willed everything to Jesus. It's all his. It's lawfully his possession because he is the son of God. That God has given him the supreme place over everything. Even though when he came to earth, he laid aside those divine privileges He came to earth, lived as a man, humbled himself, died on a cross, was resurrected. As you read in Philippians, he humbled himself, but God raised him up. And not only raised him up, but exalted him to the highest place. So he has this supreme place of heir of all things. In fact, Psalm 2 tells us that he's going to inherit everything, including the nations. That the wonderful gift of of salvations, of new people coming to Christ, are part of the inheritance of the Lord Jesus. And you read through the scriptures and you find that there is a benefit statement that speaks to those who would be called brothers and sisters of Christ. That because we have faith in him, we are what the Bible says, joint heirs with Jesus. I love at the end of the movie Second Headlines, you know, when they read the will and the little boy reads the will, and what does the will say? The kid gets it all. I love that. And that's exactly, Jesus gets it all, and we are his joint heirs if we have faith in him, and we have a share in that. But it gets better. Not only does he inherit all things, all things were created through him. You find the same thought in the first chapter of Colossians. He's the creator of all things. Now your mind may be thinking just for a minute, okay, I read my Bible, and I read in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But I read in John chapter 1, the third verse, that through him, speaking about Jesus, all things were made. And your mind may be wondering, now which one was it? Did God create things, or was it Jesus? Well, it's kind of a trick question. It's It's not either or, it's both and, and actually it's both and plus. Because you find in that story of creation that God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all present and involved in creation. And so Jesus was God's agent in creation. God made the world through him. That through his declarations of spoken word, things that were not became And the idea of world, it includes everything on earth as well as, the Amplified helps us with this, the reaches of space and the ages of time. There's nothing that is not a result of the creative hand of God and the creative influence of His Son. Hope it gets better. He's the radiance of God's glory. Now, in Scripture you can find a very strong connection between light and God's glory. You read about that that glowing presence of the Lord, the Shekinah glory that lit up the face of God's servant Moses. That it's bright. It's almost blinding. And 
Paul writes to, first, in Tim, to Timothy in 1 Timothy that it, it's unapproachable light. So very bright light representing the holiness and the glory of God. But here we have this word, radiance. And it could actually mean two different things. One, it could mean light that comes from a source inside, like if you turn on a flashlight. Or it could mean light reflected from another source, like holding up a mirror or having a glare off your windshield. I actually prefer the, the first, and here's why. John tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus is what? The true light coming into the world. And down in verse 14 of chapter 1, it says, We have seen His glory. Glory is of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Jesus doesn't reflect God's glory. We see God's glory in Jesus because of the next point he makes. He's the exact representation of God. William Barclay, who is very helpful in many instances, says it this way. When you look at Jesus, you see exactly what God is like. Now, I don't have a coin in my pocket. I rarely have coins. In fact, when I do have coins, they usually get um, taken from me um, because I have a a coin lover in the family. But in ancient times, coins were struck or minted by hand. They would take a piece of copper, a piece of gold, a piece of silver. They would place it between two other pieces of metal called a die that bore the image that they wanted to put on the coin. They would put it together and they would smack it with a hammer. And the image would be transferred from those two dies to the coin. That's the the word picture we have, that both the die and the coin have the same image. So when we say that Jesus is the representation of God, we don't mean he's a likeness of God. We mean he is the exact nature of God, the exact substance of God, that both are the same to the point that Jesus says in John 14, verse 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But it gets better. He's the sustainer. Not only does he create everything in the universe, but he sustains it. Now, now long before the mayhem dude um, showed up in all state commercials, and I'll laugh at those, I think they're very funny. Allstate's insurance slogan was what? You're in good hands with Allstate. Your house is protected. Your car is protected because of this insurance. And the writer of Hebrews wants us to know that the whole universe is in good hands because of Jesus. Listen to Colossians 1.16. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together that the mystery inside the atom is held together in the same way that the universe is held together. In Him, in Jesus, all things. And that same power that can hold the whole world together and keep an atom an atom still works in human lives to hold marriages together as we cling and run to Jesus. Holds families together. Together. It holds our minds together. And Jesus not only just holds it, but He's carrying everything, moving everything toward the end God intends. He's not just holding us where we are. It's not static, but it's, it's in motion. He's moving us toward 
God's conclusion. He's, if we're a follower of Jesus, he's moving us on toward maturity, toward our graduation date. And how does he do it? It says, all by the power, the word of his power. Wow. By the word of his power. It should blow us away to think about the power of our God that is so powerful that he can just speak and it happens. That his decrees, his word has great power. So in the declaration from long before the foundation of the world, God spoke the need for a Redeemer, the need for salvation. And so we see that Jesus is also our atoning sacrifice. It says, after he made purification for sins, it's an introduction to something we'll see a lot more of as we get in Hebrews, that, that Jesus is the great high priest and that all the sacrificial system, all the Levitical priesthood was just doing the same thing over and over again temporarily. It was just a, a picture of what was coming when Jesus came to make the once and all for all sacrifice. That God sent his only son to deal with our biggest problem, my biggest problem, sin. He made purification for sins. That he is the great high priest who offered up the perfect sacrifice once for all for our sin. Another commentator that I, inter I enjoy turning to from time to time, William McDonald, says it this way, and I love this, the creator and the sustainer became the sin bearer. In order to create the universe, he had only to speak. In order to maintain and guide the universe, he only has to speak. But in order to put away our sin once and for all, he had to die on the cross of Calvary. And so Jesus, in dying on the cross, secured complete cleansing from the stain of sin. Remember what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 1, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. That through the death of Jesus, the debt for sin is paid. We are rescued and that work is a finished work because as you finish the sentence after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so we see that Jesus, who is the expression of God's truth and love, is seated at God's right hand. This is the first time of several times in the book of Hebrews that um, Psalm 110 will be reference, talking about the Lord sitting at the right hand of the Father, and we'll look at those as we move forward. And as we move forward in the book, but go back in history, I want you to think about this. When the high priest entered the sanctuary, he stood and never sat down. And also, the work that they had to do in providing sacrifices was day after day, sacrifice after sacrifice. Each one of those was merely a covering for sin. It couldn't take away sin. But we find in Jesus that as the great high priest, he made perfect purification for sin, and when he had finished that, he sat down. Now, I don't want you to think about inactivity when you hear the word sitting. 
because that's, that's not what it means. It means in one sense that the work of redemption is finished. It is completed. That atonement for sin was secured. That victory over death was won. But today we understand that Jesus remains seated at the place of honor and authority, the right hand of the Father. He's one with the Father. He's been appointed all over all things. And as we'll see later in the book, He lives forever to intercede for us. So He's praying for you today. So while He's seated in that place of authority, it's a very active role. Another thing that we'll see as we look through this, is, and you can see them shadowed in these verses, is that, that Jesus is prophet, priest, and king. God spoke through His Son, speaks through His Son. That's the prophetic role. God sent His Son, Jesus, to make purification for sin, the priest, and that God exalted Him to that place of highest honor. At His right hand, He sat down. He's king. Each one of these echoes the truth that God communicates His love and truth through Jesus, the one who is the living Word. Now, two weeks ago, I had the privilege of traveling to Cleveland, Ohio for a pastor's conference. It was the Basics Conference, which is pretty much what it is. It's just the basics. And um, it's at Parkside Church, um, which is where um, Alistair Begg um, is the pastor. You may have you may recognize that name from his radio ministry, Truth for Life. Um, had the privilege of going, stayed with a wonderful family. Um, it was a great conference. I love to travel. But there's only one problem. I don't really like going by myself. Because while I enjoy the things that are there, there's something better that I leave behind. And so it's really good for me to have a lot of things to do to stay busy. Because I miss my wife. And, you know, it's those things, talking to her, seeing her face-to-face, feeling one another's, you know, touch. And so while I'm away, text messages are nice. It's a good way to get a quick update or a picture to find out how things are going. Phone calls when I had a break or whatever, that's a little bit better because we can at least hear each other's voice. FaceTime, if you can do it, you know, you can see each other and talk. So that's, you know, a, a step better, but the very best is when that plane lands I get off and I walk through that door that opens and the hugs come and the truth of Deborah's love is in person that's what God did for us in Jesus he sent his love in person in a person in Jesus the prophets wrote about it others tell us about it but God took that extra step. He went one step further. He showed his love in Jesus. That God in person, the one who fulfills all of the promises of the Bible that's better than anything in this world, showed up in the middle of our mess. In the midst of our sin. And he died for us. He gave his life for us. He was beaten, despised, rejected, crucified, so that you and I could be with Him. Better than anything in this world. 
and I hope in some sense that this gives us the idea of what we're going to look at as we work through Hebrews. But before we pray, I want to give you some, some thoughts to think about, about how we should respond to these verses. In fact, we should respond not just to these verses, but to the Lord Jesus himself. And the first thing is simple. See Jesus for who he is. In parentheses, Jesus is better. That we would begin by the truth of his word, communication with him through prayer and life experience to see that Jesus is ultimately better than anything else we could try, we could run to, we could trust in. So see Jesus for who he is, that he's better. Second thing is to draw near to Jesus. And that's a, a daily proposition. He desires fellowship with you. We need fellowship with him. And that needs to take place daily. If not even more so, moment by moment. And then finally, keep on in Jesus until the, the end. Now, I'm hopefully not at the end of the road, but I'm further down the road than I was not long ago. But it's my hope and my prayer that I will be faithful until the end, and I hope it's yours too. And we can't do it on our own strength. We can't do it riding on a guilt trip or trying to live up to other people's expectations. The only way we can finish strong and make it all the way to the end is to draw near to Jesus and to keep on in Jesus. Some days you're not going to feel like it. Some days you're going to wish things were different. Some, thing, some days are going to be great and wonderful. Some days are going to be terrible, awful, and you, you wish that they would pass quickly. But when we see Jesus for who he is, when we draw near to him and we keep our eyes and focus on him, we find that he will lead us safely home. Because God communicates his love and truth through Jesus, the living word. Can we pray together? Oh Lord, we pause at the end of this time to really stop and in awe and wonder of who you are. As we glance through these just brief verses say, Jesus, thank you for being the heir of all things. Thank you for being creator. Thank you for radiating God's glory, for being the imprint of his nature. Thank you that you uphold all things by the word of your power. Thank you that you made purification for sins, that you are our Savior. And thank you that you are now at the right hand of God. Oh Lord, as we look to our personal time with you and our times together in the coming weeks help us to see that Jesus is better. Help us to draw near to you, Lord Jesus, and to keep on in you, Jesus. Thank you, O Lord, for your goodness. We give you praise and we thank you for your willingness to speak through your word and by your spirit. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Worship team is here to play um, quietly to give us opportunity to respond and, and maybe it's those three things that you you know really want to nail you know one of those down or all three of them and say that's what I'm going to focus on this week and I'm going to truly dig in and see in my life how is Jesus better and to give him praise for that give him the credit that's doing maybe 
it's a, about you know drawing near to Jesus. Maybe those times that you spend with him are, are, are getting a little bit short, or maybe they're getting forgotten because of other things in life. And maybe that focus for the week is, Jesus, I'm going to meet with you. Whether it's morning or evening, when I have opportunity, I'm going to meet with you. Or maybe those struggles, those pains and hurts of life are, are starting to pile up, and you're kind of wondering, is this worth it? Should I keep on? Well, in your own strength, you won't be able to, but you can keep on in the strength of Jesus. Maybe there's something you need to pray for and the front's open. Maybe today you're just realizing for the very first time that you've heard a lot of talk about Jesus, but you've never met him. And you have heard words and understood that he is the one who can be the savior from sins and you want to know more about what that means. Or maybe you know what it means and you're ready and say, Jesus, I want to be yours today. I'll be at the front and the altar's open. You're welcome to stay seated um, and pray. You're welcome to stand and worship. You're welcome to come to the front and play. The worship team's going to play quietly. And um, I just trust you'll listen and respond as God's Deborah, why don't you come and, and share? Would have been something to talk all nice about her and then forget to invite her up for an announcement. I think I'd be in trouble. Oh, you're already in trouble because she's like God's daughter. <laughs> um, I just want to make a couple of announcements with the ladies' ministry. Um, we have our Koinonia group that, that meets on Monday night at Kroger at 630. Um, we're doing a book study. We're starting a new book this week called The God of the Garden by Andrew Peterson. And um, so if you want to order that book and show up tomorrow, I know it wouldn't give you a chance maybe to read the first chapter, but it's very short. And um, you can come on anyway and be a part of it. We'll discuss that first chapter for those who have the book. Also, just the kind of the way we do our book study is there are just some weeks sometimes you just don't have that chance, that time to read. And that's okay. You know, we come and you can listen and just join in. We're not so rigid about that. So, you know, it's a really great opportunity just to talk about what we've read and just enjoy the books together that we're reading. Um, second thing is on June 8th, I'm going to start this announcement early, and I'm going to keep reminding you about this. On June 8th is our Ladies Connect for June. It's the second Thursday of every month, 6.30 here. This next month, we're going to have Selena Bador come, and she's going to do a Ladies Self-Defense class. 
And we're going to do this as an outreach. We're going to put it out in the sun. We're going to have some flyers you can hand out in your neighborhoods and things like that. We'll look for some people who want to hand some things out. And so even if some of you are here and you think, I don't really want to think about doing self-defense. I mean, I'm sitting up here just standing sometimes and breathing is about all I can do in a day. But, um, but we need to be here to connect with people and to make them feel welcome and to let them know that we're glad they're here. And so this will be a good you know, way to open up the doors to the community and say, hey, come on in and feel free, feel, feel welcome here. And it's a really great outreach. And so I want to encourage you, even if you're maybe not interested in a women's self-defense class, to come and be a part of it to connect. And um, just remember that that's coming up. And, it, and we're not going to charge people to come be a part of that. So anyway, I hope that you'll come. And, and, and really, I think we'll learn a lot of really good things. Because sometimes there's, you know, it's just in this day and age, it's good to know some safety stuff. thoughts and we'll, and we'll be done. Just first of all, um, man, if you would like to read that book, The God of the Garden, it's written by Andrew Peterson, who's a musician, he's also a writer. Um, it, it's a good book, and if you like trees, he loves trees, and he writes a lot about trees in that book, and draws a lot of good spiritual applications, so um, if you decide you want to read that and you want to talk about it, you know, call me up and we can have a cup of coffee and talk about trees and God of the Garden and Andrew Peterson. Um, the second thing is... Um, you know, if you're not familiar with the name Selena Bador, her and her husband, Donnie Bador, um, are owners of Texas Black Belt Academy. Um, she's a black belt in probably karate and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And um, one of the things she enjoys doing is taking opportunities to teach ladies just practical ways they can defend themselves. And so um, she's not just some, you can't say Joe Blow about a lady, can you? She's not some, you know, she's not just some lady off the street that's, you know, read you know, a couple of things and watch the YouTube video on, on ladies' self-defense. She's actually um, has some practical tips. So um, tell your friends about that, and um, we'll have more opportunities for us to invite as well. I want to thank you for worshiping um, today. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, to worship and to praise and um, to, uh, to study his word together. And so I just want to say bless you in the name of the Lord. We're going to sing. And um, so if you want to join in standing, the worship team is going to lead us. And once the song is over, um, you are dismissed. Lord bless you. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. Oh, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, I will trust promise. You will carry me safe to shore.